Welcome to episode 12 of Expertise is Overrated, the podcast that takes the time to answer the questions you didn't know you didn't want the answer to. I'm Vib. And I'm Sean. And neither of us has any clue what we're talking about. Before we get to the episode, let's award the much vaunted Expertise is Overrated Tinfoil Award. Now, as a reminder, this is an award that we give out at the start of each episode to the person who had the most ridiculous point in last week's episode. And this week, who's getting it? <laughs> Yeah, I can already hear you giggling. I'm not giggling. I'm uh, quietly, <laughs> quietly chortling. I think is what's happening Victorious, here. Victorious, because you've managed to somehow not say anything stupid for like the past three weeks. Is it? I mean, I I would assert that I've never said anything stupid, but no, this well, week no quite leave you there. quite solidly landed with Vib for just fundamentally not understanding how the laws of inheritance anywhere in any fiction work. I mean, sure. Finway, Finway is the heir to the throne of Gondor. I mean, okay, <laughs> you, you set the scene for, for a hot take by calling back to my hot take, which was good. I appreciated that. But no, that's just just stupid on so many levels, I fear. Well, unfortunately, we can never ask uh, the Tolkien's, can we? So we'll never know. But no, it is, you know. We do know, to, to be clear, we, we do know. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Well, um, hopefully I can give the shiny hat back to you soon, because it's starting to weigh a little heavy on my head. Not a chance. <laughs> anyway, what are we up to today? Well, this is the second of our patented Hot Take Awards. So, as a reminder, the format will be slightly different. Rather than our usual brand of rating or talking about stuff we, need, we know nothing about, in a hot take, one of us will present an unusual or unpopular way of looking at a well-known fictional situation. The other will attempt to sit quietly and let them explain their probably flawed reasoning before inevitably losing their cool and the episode descending into petty name-calling. <laughs> Quite right. Uh, the, the sitting quietly will be a challenge for you, I am sure. <laughs> Um, so, as you can probably tell, as a recent winner of many tinfoil hats, I've taken it upon myself to prove that I am unworthy, or perhaps actually worthy, of them uh, by coming up with our second ever hot take. Are you ready? I I, I don't know anyone is ever really ready. <laughs> are, are you prepared to, to just stop? I'm out? sitting down, put it that way. Okay. So... Here it is. Lara Wraith is a good person. So before we get stuck in, let me tell you who I'm even talking about. If you don't know, please still stick around as I strongly suspect this hot take will veer wildly into the realms of morality, humanity, and quite clearly a lot of nonsense. Um, we are discussing Lara Wraith of the Dresden Files. She's a relatively major character, and we first meet in Blood Rites, the sixth book of the series. As her name suggests, she belongs to, that, to House Wraith, one of the three major houses in the White Court of Vampires. Now, Harry Dresden isn't particularly fond of vampires, but he does get on with the White Court more, more so than the Red or Black Courts. This makes some kind of sense, given that the White Court are the most human of the three and aren't all batshit insane. 
Um, however, my co-host and fellow idiot is firmly of the belief that Lara Wraith and presumably all other white court vampires are heinous, vile, and dreadful monsters. Would you agree with that, Sean? I don't know that I like you putting words in my mouth, but for the sake of uh, <laughs> giving you enough rope with which to hang yourself, sure. Yeah, you can disagree with me, uh, with me later. I mean, you're of course wrong, quite wrong. Um, but then that's nothing new on this show. Lara Wraith is a hero. Lara Wraith is a good person by any meaningful standard of morality. And ultimately, Lara Wraith is quite simply a delight. Now, I'd like to start, as all good stories do, with Reddit. Redditor That's, that Swift Boy sorry, succinctly summarizes everything you need to know. He says, You know, she may be a white court vampire, someone who feeds on the life energy of her victims through their sensation of lust. She might be a parasitic monster who abrogates a person's ability to choose. She might be an evil, scary bitch with a damn good mind and ability to think stupidly long-term, which is an utterly terrifying combination. But after listening to Harry describe her office, I have to admit that she has one point in her favour over most of the monsters of the Dresdenverse. She pays postage and uses lettered mail. She might be out to rule over, uh, over all of us mortals, but damn, at least she writes people. That'd keep me employed. Uh, of course, I jest. I just thought this was quite an amusing post. Um, <laughs> but while ultimately writing letters is commendable, it's by far the least humane thing Lara Wraith does. Uh, you slash that swift boy raises an important issue, though. White court vampires stay alive and healthy by feeding on the life energy of humans. Well, Vib, I hear that smug Sean voice that has taken a permanent residence in my head say, there you have it. She's bad like the rest of her kind. As Jedi Grandmaster Yoda would say, shitball. It's simplistic and frankly idiotic to judge someone purely on the basis of what they do, nay, need to do, to survive. Sure, having to live on human life energy perhaps doesn't quite fit into your perfect little world, but can we really blame Lara and her kin for wanting to survive? Instead, view it for what it is, another thread that makes up the rich tapestry of life. Importantly, it's incredibly rare that we see Lara kill people if it can be avoided. Notable exceptions are in Turncoat, where some guards who got a bit too close to Shag Nasty were allowed to perform one last noble act in order to save some of Lara's sisters. Did they need to die? Perhaps not, but sometimes sacrifices must be made. But, but, murder! I hear you gasping and spluttering in your most indignant voice. Well, are you a vegan? I thought not. Stop anthropomorphizing and wake up to the fact that not every sentient being in the world is human and we have to make allowances for specific, if unusual, and at least for us, awkward diets. After all, does a cow think of you as a monster? Or does it accept the circle of life like Mufasa and his cartoon subjects did? Now, I'd go for a really punchy statement, but I have to caveat this one slightly, so I'll settle for Lara Wraith is as humane as most of us. Still with me so far. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm frantically taking notes, but I keep stopping because my pen is allergic to writing the nonsense that's coming out of your mouth. Please continue. Indeed I will. Now, continuing with my old school, totally unpretentious academic style, I provide you with a quote from Lara herself, if I may. And given that I have the proverbial floor, I think you can't stop me anyway. <laughs> Picture the scene, a Harry Dresden at the point of breaking, at wit's end, in dire need of support and love. 
enter Lara Wraith. I can take away the pains of the mind and the body and the heart. I can give you something no one else can. Freedom from your burdens of responsibility and conscience. Sweet Dresden, I could give you peace. Imagine closing your eyes with no worries, no pain, no fears, no regrets, no appetites and no guilt. Only quiet darkness and stillness and my flesh against yours. I can give you that. You wear your pain like a suit of armour, but one day it'll be too heavy to bear, and you will remember this moment, and you will know who can give you what you need. Now need I even say more? These are clearly the words of a kind and caring person doing her utmost to look out for our intrepid hero. Is hero the right word? That's a discussion for another time, probably in about 15 minutes or so. <laughs> but to me, anyway, it's quite clear, my friends. Lara Wraith cares. Now, I know what you're going to say in your most outraged voice, dear listener. Yes, you, because I'm fairly certain that Sean has probably stormed off by now. But Vib, I can concede that some diets are just necessary, but she's a vampire, and they're just evil. Everyone knows that. Well, shame on you, listener. Vampires are no more or less evil than a random bloke on the street, and it's just by virtue of your arrogant humanity that you would jump to such a simplistic conclusion. It's xenophobia. Don't pretend otherwise. <laughs> xenophobia! Indeed. <laughs> For example, have you forgotten Matt Thomas? Or are we throwing sanity out the window and saying he's evil too, purely because he's got an internal demon to contend with? I ask you, dear listener, don't we all have our demons? Thomas is a testament to the goodness that some members of our species can exhibit if they try. And yes, before you say it, I am in fact human. But funnily enough, Thomas is not fully human, and he's probably amongst the best of us. Thomas always strives to be the best version he can be, and ignores his demon with a tenacity that is both admirable and instructive. He's proof that being a white-court vampire does not mean you become a monster. In fact, he demonstrates that for the right cause, we can all keep our demons at bay, if perhaps not overcome them entirely. Yes, 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 I know what you're thinking. This is not about Thomas. Of course he's good. But his succubus sister is a different story altogether. Thomas, I hear you screaming internally, doesn't kill people to survive. Thomas, I hear you furiously formulating into a strongly worded letter, loves. Ah, doesn't he just? I'm glad you mentioned that, dear listeners. Love is such a positive emotion, or so I am told. Lara Wraith is capable of love. She's utterly devoted to protecting her loved ones. In spite of her father's wishes, she helped her younger sister Inari find true love, allowing her to expel her demon and live, we hope, a happy life instead of becoming another one of Papa Wraith's pawns. Now, quick sidebar, I've been getting into chess quite a, a fair bit recently, and if there was ever a personification of a pawn queening, it's Lara Wraith. Anyway, there's no tactical advantage to protecting Inari. It's an act of kindness, wrought from a desire to spur her sister from the curse that Lara and the rest of her family battle with every single day. Not yet convinced? Fine. In the same, in the very same book, and I do recommend you guys go back and reread White Knight, it truly is excellent, Lara makes a promise to her beloved brother that she would protect Justine, his paramour. This supposedly evil vampire willingly offers protection to a vanilla kind. Wow. Empty night. She even took care of a young and helpless Thomas. She changed his nappies and everything. Why would a heartless, uncaring, evil monster do such a thing? I'll tell you why. Because she's none of these things. She's good at heart. Lara Wraith loves. I... Please just finish. 
Oh, not anywhere near there yet. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Calm down, calm down. Uh, I can practically hear you screaming with Zuma levels of fury, dear listener. But she's cold and calculating. Everyone, everything she does, she does for personal gain. Okay, so why does she repeatedly keep other people's secrets? As an example, she knew full well that Ebenezer McCoy was Thomas and Harry's grandfather. This is powerful information, yet she keeps it to herself. She is one of a few who knows about Harry and Murph as well. She keeps that to herself too. Does she use any of this to her advantage in some way? No. In fact, she congratulates Harry and is pleased for him that he's finally found love again after all this time. This is not the first time she's kept secrets to the benefit of others. Uh, when Harry goes to rescue his daughter Maggie from the hands of the Red Court, who sends in the rescue squad in the form of a US Navy cruiser and helicopter? Lara does. Who offers up her family money to help Molly and Harry in cold days? Lara does. Who offers up her significant influence, finances, and power to the Paranetters, Murph, and co? Lara does. This one in particular shows off her unbelievably good side. She doesn't need to help the humans, and that the wizards fend off the odd Fomor attack. It's nothing large-scale, after all. She could just sit back, amass her own power, and help when shit really hits the fan. But no, after the fall of the Reds, Lara makes sure her court helps people. Nobody who is evil would do such a thing. Now, even before all this, Lara spends a lot of political capital and puts herself and her family in severe danger by openly suing for peace between the White Court of Vampires and the White Council of Wizards. As you know, the White Council went to war with the vampires because, well, Harry's Harry. But ultimately, the war wasn't going great for our mortal wizard friends. Although, why exactly that is, is the subject of another debate. Suffice it to say, there was no compelling reason for the vamps to ease up on their enemies, but Lara decided that fighting the wizards was no good thing. She managed to see what you could not. She managed to see mortals and immortals alike perishing in a pointless war. So she sued for peace. Sued for peace in a winning war. That, dear listeners, is the act of a good person. So Lara Wraith is good. It, it's like you've just departed reality. Oh no, I'm still very much here. I'm still very much here. But it sounds like you still need more. Well, good thing there's plenty more to say. <laughs> One obvious point I haven't really mentioned um, is that we have Lara to thank for ridding the world of her father's influence. Papa Wraith, I'm sure we can all agree, is a genuinely evil being. But thankfully, we won't have to worry about him any longer. Now, granted, this one is not necessarily down to Lara being a good person, as overthrowing her father is a direct political gain. But it's still worth mentioning, purely because fuck Papa Wraith. Yeah, fair. <laughs> um, now, so in uh, White Knight, when Ubergulls threatened to kill her and her family, she does not take the opportunity to escape. I say opportunity, I imagine there were many for one so agile. Instead, she bravely hangs around, even helping Dresden at the very end. And if that wasn't enough, she is a longtime member of the Venatorium Brorum, the ultimate guardians who've been fighting the Oblivion War for centuries. The Archive, Ivy to her friends, oversees all things Venatori and apparently has no issue whatsoever with Lara being one. If a 14-year-old girl can see the good in her, so can you. It's clear that instead of calling Lara a monster, we should in fact be thanking her for keeping us safe in our beds. Lara Wraith is a hero. 
<laughs> I mean, all of this, I'm pretty sure, is entirely convincing. But I would be remiss if I didn't include the views of another paragon of virtue and the ultimate upholder of law and order in the supernatural world. That's right, you guessed it, probably from Sean's exasperated sign in the background. Mab, queen of air and darkness herself. Would Mab be so foolish as to risk her night, the winter night she spent so long ensnaring, uh, I mean, politely persuading? Um... <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're happy with yourself. So that was a slight Freudian slip there. <laughs> um, now, it must be said, if, if you got this far, the ship has probably sailed, but spoiler warning for Battlegrounds, the current book in the series. Right at the end, Mab declares that Harry and Lara are to be wed. Now, Mab is no fool, far from it, and woe betide you should you say otherwise. I'm told Arctis Tor is cold in winter. I would be amazed if Mab decided to risk her precious knights by forcing increased proximity between him and an evil nutcase. The decision to unite Harry and Lara proves beyond doubt that Lara is an important person in the grand scheme of things. It proves that Lara is trustworthy. Above all, I believe that Mab, who has shown more than a fair bit of admiration for Harry, is telling us, dear listeners, that Lara is a good person. A person worthy of Harry Dresden, the hero of our tale. Lara Wraith has Mab's seal of approval. So there we are. Dear listeners, if you still think that Lara is some sort of evil monster, then frankly only the Archangels themselves can help you. And let's be honest, they seem to have their fingers in all the pies, so they might very well do exactly that. In any case, I shall wrap up by simply saying, Lara Wraith cares. Lara Wraith loves. Lara Wraith is a hero. Lara Wraith is a good person by any meaningful standard of morality. And ultimately, Lara Wraith is quite simply a delight. Uh, Sean, if you're still there, thoughts? Okay, one second. I need to uh, put down the bottle of whiskey that I've been necking. <laughs> Even whiskey can't save you from the truth. Okay, so... No. No. A thousand times no. What is wrong with you? We need to get you help. Should I just start again? Because you clearly won't understand. No! <laughs> <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think that any of that ever needs said. Right. So what in particular do you take issue? I think my core issue. Um, I'm going to I'm going to split it into perhaps four problems, although they probably overlap, and I'm going to get lost halfway through. Excellent. Right. So you have your argument of necessity, which I don't think stands up. Um, I think there is a meaningful distinction to be drawn between Thomas and Lara, which you have willfully ignored. Likewise, I think there's a material distinction between self-interest and love, which you have willfully ignored, or, alternatively, you have fundamentally misunderstood the nature of the white court vampires. <laughs> and finally, I think you fundamentally misunderstand the influence that Harry Dresden has on the people around him. Ooh, now that's an interesting one. Right. So, firstly, and this is basically essentially coming back to your are you a vegan point, which, no, <laughs> I, I love cow as much as the next person. But the, the, there is a meaningful... There, there is a distinction between... And I'm not going to get into the rights and wrongs of vegetarian or veganism in this. Oh, but, what a shame. <laughs> 
Lara Wraith eats people to stay alive. And on, on a fundamental level, that is what she does. And she does so knowingly and in full knowledge that she could not do that because Thomas successfully doesn't eat people to stay uh, alive. You see, but I knew you were going to mention this. But this is why it's it's entirely clear from the text that she does not often end it up is, killing it is, people. It is 100% entirely not clear no, from the they, text. No, they have thralls. They have people who willingly give themselves. And it's a waste of, of food if you could potentially get a refill to just finish the whole damn thing. They don't ever seem to do that. No, Maybe we, on the Papa Wraith, but not on the Lara. No, you, you yourself acknowledge there are those guards in Tango. Yeah, but th- but yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, because those guys, you know, as I said, they got too close to Shagnar. They, they were essentially alive. dead. No, they were they not, as well they were essentially, One of them was entire, uh, entirely alive, save that he had lost vision. Now, I'm fairly sure there were a lot of blind people who would find <laughs> the concept of them being essentially dead offensive. Like, it's just nonsense. Lara, Lara and her sisters kill the, suck the life force out of those people for no reason other than it is, in, is necessary and convenient for them to do so. See, technically, we never actually find out if they die or not. We know that they will die. The, that, the, reactions, yeah, of everyone, the, the, reactions, the reactions of everyone around them imply that they will die quite significantly. There's nothing wrong with death. Things need to die for other things to live. No, things need to die within their proper time. Well, but, uh, you know, what decides what proper time is? But, um, what the, the not powers Lara, that be. Not Lara Wraith. Ah, some might argue that might makes right, no? Yeah, sure, if you... If you want your argument to just be despotism... I feel as someone who clearly is and openly is admitted to thinking that Grindelwald, for example, is absolutely right in his thinking, surely you'd be up there with, with saying... This is a perfectly good use of human life. Absolutely not. And don't don't misinterpret <laughs> my words in such a way. We have you on air saying it. <sighs> in my head anyway. I, 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 I Yes and no, but that's not the purpose of this. <laughs> Go on. I think the distinction between Thomas and Lara, I think, is bigger than you think it is. Right. All right. Now, no, this is this is genuinely interesting. Uh, interesting point. So, okay. so, why do you think that? So, the, the point about Thomas is that Thomas struggles with his nature as a white court vampire. Right. We can see yeah. that struggle within him all the time. He considers himself a monster. Right. And part of that is because he knows what he must do and what he does do. I don't. I mean, t- Thomas. We're fairly sure probably has killed people by feeding on them. Yes. Right, he is a white court vampire, so it's uh, in fact one hundred percent true because that's how one becomes a white court vampire. The first feeding is always fatal, right? Yes, one hundred percent. Yeah. So, by that logic, if you want to equate Thomas and Lara, Lara also needs to have that struggle. Lara, we see no evidence for any struggle, personal struggle within Lara. We don't. But I'll tell you why that potentially is, uh, and this is because a. The whole thing is written from the perspective of Harry Dresden, and he's a, yes. an, unreli- an unreliable narrator, perhaps. Absolutely. And B, he obviously can't discuss stuff he doesn't know. Now, he's known Thomas for, well, throughout most of the series of the books. Doesn't he show up in the second one, third one? Third. Third one, yeah. So he's known Thomas for quite a while, and at that point, Thomas is... It's hard, it's hard to put a number on these things uh, accurately, but he's, he's at best 20 years older than Harry, I say. 
I don't think he's quite that much older, but yeah. Yeah, he's, 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 yeah they're actually quite close in age, right? And obviously, you know, Margaret Le Fay was there. Yes. Their, their mother. So I, so I think Harry has known Thomas for a good long while, and Thomas hasn't been a vampire for all that long. And and you're right. He like he he quite clearly struggles. Uh, he fights his nature. You, you know, he has his ups and downs, don't we all? I yeah. think you're right in saying that it's therefore very hard to equate him to Lara because we don't see her have that struggle. But we have to remember that she is significantly older. I mean, she knew Lucio uh, from way back when, and well, I she think talks it's very of, much. Yeah. Lara talks of having been in Japan during the Meiji Restoration. Exactly. So she is hundreds and hundreds of yeah. years old. Mm-hmm. And she is also uh, the spawn of Papa Wraith. And as we know, he's got a really nasty habit of Absolutely, doing yeah. terrible things to his daughters. Um, yes. And while well, he murders his sons. So we don't know if when she was first a vampire that she rebelled against the nature, tried to fight it. And we don't know how much she was able to fight, you know, with, with, with a full power... Lord Wraith constantly hanging over you. So while I, while I agree with you that, yes, it's hard to equate the two, we don't have any evidence to suggest that she did not at some point. Um, no, but the, the, no, that while true, that you're, you're starting from a she must have done, whereas I think... No, no, that, I'm starting think, from, from a she could have done. She could, I, I think my point is, know that she is freed from that influence, Right, she's she's a, her own person. No, she sees she shows no indications, no, of wanting to change who she is. She's all she's doing is consolidating her power. So I think that that's unfair um, because she she could quite easily go full psycho the way Lord Wraith does and just no, have you no, see, I don't, this, no price is, on life. She has is, lots of human employees. Of course she does, and she doesn't. Is, she doesn't kill every time she feeds. No, like, but, sure, uh, she she does. You've mentioned it. She does. But, but I, she she has some um, idea uh, she, she, that she, that's she, not the right way to go. She fundamentally looks upon non-vampire humans as cattle, right? She does not consider them worthy of doing anything other than providing one of a number of services to her. Look, give me an example. Uh, her rea- her interactions with basically anyone other than um, her, her own kind. Ah, she's just very tongue in cheek, like that that thing she says to Harry when he brings Ramirez along. Is he a present, Glorious? No, um. I'm, I'm, no, I'm not. I'm not talking about. That. I'm talking much more about the the way uh, it comes back to to Turncoat, the way she she handles the the news of the death of some of the guards and the maiming of others. The, yeah, but, that not, is, but that is not necessarily in any way different to what a military commander might do. No, they, a, a mili- no it, it is slightly different because a military commander wouldn't go, oh, that person's lost his eyes, might as well put a bullet in the back of his head. Maybe not in the 21st century, no, true. But she doesn't just do that. She does that to serve a purpose, to save a family. Sure, but her... her like I get what you're saying, but this is the the sort of the the human centric view that I'm trying to but, but, beat but, out of you. But, but I am a human, and from a perspective of human morality, and I think from the perspective of any morality, the, looking at upon other sapient beings, capable, demonstrably capable of feeling emotions, longing, pain, suffering, whatever, 
as nothing more than cattle to serve your interest is morally reprehensible. Oh, that would be, but I don't think that there's any evidence that the, she is like that. There's, the evidence is littered throughout the book. She looks upon humans as, as food, as cattle, and nothing more. And yet you can't give me an example. Because I don't have all of the books to hand. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. You couldn't find anything, could you? I mean, <laughs> what I will say, like, and, I, and I mentioned this, you know, she helps the Paranitas. She helps Murph. She helps all those people for z- apparently no benefit to herself. But if you think about her behavior in White Knight, right? Because obviously it's implied that she set up the scheme in the first place. Right, the the magical Malvora scheme. Right, it's it's quite heavily implied that she's the one who puts that idea in everyone's head. Right? Sure, she puts in play. It puts in motion a scheme to advance her own interests, which results in the murder of dozens of women, mm-hmm. which is reprehensible. Yeah, but by that logic, the White Council of Wizards, who are human, are also reprehensible. Yes! They, they do exactly the same sort of calculations. Absolutely. But the argument isn't whether or not the White Council are good or bad. The argument is, is Laura good? And if you look at her actions, she's not. I would I would disagree with that. I think, you know, the means justify the end. All right, yeah. Grindelwald. That's, that's the wrong way around, isn't it? The end justifies the, the end, means. The end justifies the means is, exa- <laughs> is exactly your assertion, and I don't think that's true. I think that the means are incredibly important. The way of course in, they're important. The they're... way in which you exercise power is far more important than the amount of power that you have. But what are 12 dead people in the grand scheme of 8 billion humans, not to mention all the vampires and all the supernatural to, monsters? To their family and friends? Who cares about the family and friends when everyone's dead? If but, you are convinced that by taking power in this manner, you can do good, it's a risk but worth that, taking. But that's not what the scheme is about, right? The scheme is not Lara taking power. Because at that point, Lara is de facto already queen of the White Court. Yes, and, but that, and I but really, that power I, is being I, challenged by, by the arseholes that are the Malvora and the Scavers. Yes, but... Because they are genuinely reprehensible. Beings. No, no, they, they are. They, by any metric, they are worse. I, I, I will. I'm not going to agree. I'm not going to disagree with you on that. <laughs> but I will. I will give you that. But the, I can't. I, I can't remember the exact rationale around. But it essentially, the way it was described implies that Lara had set up a situation in which either Harry takes out Malvora and Scarvis, or. Lara has engineered a scheme to make humanity weaker so as to make them easier to feed upon in the future. That's the whole that, that's the whole idea behind the scheme. Right? That's not treating humanity as equals. It's treating humanity as cattle. <laughs> it's treating some part of humanity as food. It's treat- Which ultimately they have to do. That's the thing. You can't get around that fact. I no, I can't get around that fact. But that doesn't that doesn't change the fact that she willingly embraces that that side of herself as compared with Thomas. Perhaps I mean, perhaps, but this is where I think that there might be just time. Time will tell if she manages to change her ways sufficiently, because she does <sighs> change throughout the books, 
And I think even... Um... I'm not sure whether she does, you see. I don't know whether she changes or whether her relationship with Harry Dresden changes. And this is, this is my fourth point, right? So... But before we get on to that, I will say yeah. that there is a word of Jim, and I know we don't often rely on those, yeah, but because it's Jim doesn't know what talking will. <laughs> In this case, Jim is the expert on the situation. <laughs> and he himself says that he isn't sure if Lara's a, uh, uh, a bad, a bad um, being, I guess. He, even he's convincing himself that she's good. He can see the change. I'm not sure that we're taking the word of Jim on this, given that Jim also <laughs> thinks that the Eye of Balor could destroy Uriel. Yeah, after showing that it couldn't even destroy nah. well, anyone, really. Let's be honest. Do we, do we see it kill anything? I mean, lots of... Stuff in the background, right? Yeah, lots of like people that Harry's connected to. Oh, yeah. Which is pretty harrowing. That's pretty um, harrowing, yeah. He experiences like 450 deaths at once, and it's horrific. The people he marches on to death for no good reason, seemingly. Uh, yeah. So, I think I think the factor that, that complicates your argument is Harry Dresden, right? And Harry is <laughs> is essentially the um, the unknown quantity in any situation, right? And through his actions in declaring war on unilaterally on the Red Corps, he has proven to the entire supernatural community that he is essentially not to be fucked with. Right? Yeah. So if you're a Lara Wraith, and for some reason all magical activity in the world happens in Chicago, Harry Dresden is resident in Chicago, you are going to want him to not think of you as that scary. So you're going to comport yourself in such a way as to end up as, I quote, my favorite frenemy. <laughs> right, well, does anything else result in you being deleted? Yeah, the come on, the first time they meet, she shoots him in the ear. Yeah, that's, that's quite funny. Um, <laughs> she clearly couldn't give two fucks about who Harry Dresden is. Um... No, but it's it's interesting because Harry Dresden is almost the sort of antithesis to pragmatism when it comes to making sacrifice, right? It's why he, it's why essentially he doesn't get along with anyone else in the bloody books who's in any position of power, because people know that in order to run an organization, there is the, there is a level of for the greater good. The White just, Council I, sees it. The White I, Court sees it. Harry yeah, doesn't. See it. I, I think I just fundamentally disagree with that. It implies a sort of zero-sum game to power that I don't think is there. This no, idea it that we It doesn't ha- imply that at all. But, I mean, you finish, finish your thought. You're wrong. So, so if you look, look at the, the war with the Red Court, right? Harry is castigated for starting the war with the Red Court when if you look at it from a... from any one of a number of moral philosophies, it was the right thing to do. From a utilitarian perspective, it perhaps wasn't. But that then comes down to how one defines utility. But sort of from a far greater range of just the right, it was the right thing to do because it, it, the alternative was allowing an innocent woman to die, which is objectively wrong. Yeah, and admittedly the World Council fails because they, they either don't have the whole story or they don't want to believe the whole story, but like it's quite clearly a setup. Um, yes. I mean, I guess they do know that they just don't have a publicly. I, 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 I think, I think, it, I think the, the the war does highlight, or the the 
the situation in Bianca's mansion does highlight a sort of fundamental flaw in the Uncelia Accords, which is actually something I quite like to talk about at another juncture. Um, oh, well, absolutely. Because yeah, yeah. I, I think they're, they're, they're pretty fundamentally flawed by not looking at the spirit of actions and dealing only with the letter of the law. But that, that, that's probably because the interpretations of that nature must be really hard to standardize across different oh, I'm sure. kinds I'm sure. of being. But yeah, that's a different debate. Um, the, the reason why I don't think it's a it's a zero sum game, just to say, well, the arguably best solution in this particular scenario is to sacrifice someone or multiple some things if it preserves a better balance. But, right? but look, 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 at, look at the events of lives. But look at the events of Chichen Itza, for example. Yes, you know, is it genuinely? a good course of action to send potentially 500 wizards to their death to save one little girl. Yes. I as, as a sort of, from an emotional point of view, absolutely. But from a practical point of view, but, no, because those 500 wizards will die, the little girl will die as a result. And as a result of all the wizards being gone, many, many more little girls will die. No, the fight itself is worthwhile. I just fundamentally disagree. Mm. I, und- I understand. No, no, that's, that's interesting. That's I, under- interesting. I understand what yeah. you're saying, but sort of, you know, sometimes you just need to draw a line and say no here, but no further. I, I think I think you're right. The fight itself is worthwhile, but the fight itself is worthwhile should never apply to everyone. Which then, the, then the fight will be over very quickly. Which I, 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 I think I, I think organisations like the White Council live fully in the knowledge that. There are Harry Dresdens in the world who will just go out there and fight the good fight. And if they win, fantastic. If they don't win, it doesn't fundamentally change your original plan. And, you know, secretly they know that Harry Dresden packs a bit of a punch. <laughs> so odds are he would succeed in any plan he forms. But I don't think that moves the moral calculus. I... I... Yeah, but I, I guess I what I'm saying is the moral think, calculus is second to the to the much more important calculus of, of just the numbers. I I, I think that's potentially where you and I just will never agree. Oh, no, because, quite. Because, because <laughs> you're, no, you are absolutely right. From a practical perspective, Chichen Itza is a bad idea, right? The fight at Chichen Itza is a bad idea. It should not be done. Yes. From a purely practical perspective, you throw you run the risk of throwing away your starborn. You run the risk of losing Leah, who is clearly very important. You run the risk of losing Mouse, who is clearly very important. Um, and ultimately, whoever is on the Grey Council as well, you run the risk of losing. So the use, the use of the word important there with reference to Leah is quite interesting. Because um, would you consider Lara Wraith important? Or is um, she just a monster? I think you can have important monsters. I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. Would you seek to preserve Lara's life? Would I seek in danger? To, would I personally seek to preserve Lara's life? I think so. All right. Even, right. Though, even though she's a monster, because deep down inside, I like to believe that I am Michael Carpenter. <laughs> well, that is the most outrageous thing I think anyone will ever say on this show. I think we have our tinfoil, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'll give you that one. No, it, more seriously. Um, I mean, I we, would all, we should all strive to be Michael Carter. Maybe, that, maybe, maybe that's 
that's more the point. In in every situation, I ask, what would Michael do? Um, but I I think that preserving Laura's life gives her the opportunity to try and be a better person, and I think that is valuable. So you're calling her a person, which is in and of itself is quite interesting. She is a person. I feel going into this, you 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 almost asserted that white core vampires aren't people. I think she's a person. She's not human. <laughs> uh, part human, I guess. Difficult to qual- qualify. It's difficult to it's difficult to qualify. Um, no, no, but you're you're right. This is this is something that we'll never really fully agree on, and. We, and I we, think that's we sort perhaps, of judge this from a distance, right? I, I, I think that's perhaps why we're never going to agree on Lara either. Because from, I think you can make the case that from a practical perspective, she is better. Well, she she's objectively better than Papa, right? Because he's a sadistic monster. But I think you can make the case that from a practical perspective, she's probably quite high up on the list of like effective rulers of supernatural nations. High up in terms of uh, moral depravity, util- utility, right? Right. Yeah. If well, we, I mean, if we take it, if it takes like a pretty staunchly Benthamite view of utilitarianism, <laughs> essentially the greatest good for the greatest number, and we can break that down into actual numbers. Sure. Yeah. Um. So, so perhaps you're not entirely wrong about that. What I what I would say is that right, it's, it's all relative, um, and we see. And I, I would, I would think that it's really hard to disagree with this. Is that in the grand scheme of white court vampires, the, the wraiths in general, actually excluding Papa Wraith, at least the ones we meet, with the exception of Madrigal and Madeline, they don't seem to be nearly as bad as the others, the Scavis, the Malvora, and Lara. I think on top of that, no, of course we see her more than anyone else, really, except for Thomas, who, who, yeah, is probably the. The pinnacle of of uh, goodness in in the white court. So, Lara, I think, relatively is up there, and I think that's important to remember because when we look at all humans, right, it's not that every single one of us is is this amazingly good, humane person. There's absolute dickheads in the world. Mm, Frankly, there's, there's way too many. There's there's at least one on this podcast. <laughs> I'm glad you know it yourself. <laughs> um, but uh, but my point. Largely is that, yeah, Lara Wraith is certainly relatively a very good individual. I mean, because it's it's hard to overcome your own nature. I mean, we see Thomas struggle with it. We see see everyone struggle with it. And I think I'd struggle with it if I had a a genuine demon like that, you know. It's tough. But I think think I come back to we don't see Lara struggle with it. And maybe it's because we don't. We're never in her head. Maybe yeah. it's because we're never in her head. Yeah. Um, we don't see a struggle with. It. Yeah, but we also don't see you know just mowing down lots of people like I'm sure the Scavis Malvora would. Although she does, as you say, use them to do kind of that. Yeah. Sure. But I'm I'm, I'm not sure. I take. I'm not sure. I'm going to just let the wraiths are better than the Malvoras and the Scavis go without a fight. All right. So, do we not just see the Madrigal Wraith equivalent of the Scarvis and the Malvora? Hmm. Right. And Madrigal is clearly just batshit insane, would be a psycho if he was human, never mind a, a vampire. 
Yeah, but I, I've always, in my head, canon explained that by the fact that he just hangs around with the Scabies in the Mouth of War, or, or the or, he hangs around the Mouth of War, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, because the Scabies is the, the, the Mouth of War. Yeah, Scarvis is the cat's the woman. Yeah, <laughs> the woman who's not in fact a woman. Or, or, is, or is that vampire woman? No, it's a man. It's the son oh, of, yeah, the, of Lord. Next, it's yeah. the son of Lord Scarvis, um, yeah. but he looks a bit effeminate and then it's dresses as a woman. Mastered to bits by Lena's Crane. <laughs> Yeah, it just gets like deleted by Elaine. Uh, but no, but, yeah, they, but this, is, this is kind of a moot point, I think, because we we essentially just don't see enough of anyone no. other than Thomas Lara and Lara. Yeah, and for one book in Ari, and and I guess Madeline, but she's Black Council. Uh, she's summon. <laughs> she's something. Um, I mean, and I guess also is Vittorio or Vittorio, Vittorio, and. Uh, magical, I guess. Well, certainly Vitoro seems to be magical. Is, is Vitoro is, is implied to be Black Council. Yeah. Uh, magical, I don't think is. Madeline, I think, might work for someone who's Black Council. Well, not anymore. Well, not anymore. She got Lared. She got very Lared. <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't piss her off, but that, you know, that should kind of go without saying. So, you know, you don't throw a grenade at Harry Dresden and live to tell the tale. No. So. I guess there's a couple last points that that you said that I perhaps want to to discuss. Firstly, uh, just I thought it was really funny that in talking about the Oblivion War, you said you said that she helps us uh, be safe in our beds. When yeah. let's be honest, in bed is the place you are least safe from Lara. Well, perhaps. <laughs> Sorry, that, that joke's just been uh, crying out from my page for like 40 minutes. I mean, I didn't say safe in our beds while she is also there. <laughs> no, I just Although in many get... ways, you would still be quite safe as long as, you know, you didn't lose your eyes or break your legs. I just needed to get that joke in. But then... <laughs> no, uh, is, it is good. It is good. Uh, lastly, you use Mab as evidence ah, for I her know, being a good person. Go right, so... Yeah. I think my simplistic answer to that is going to be yes and no. <laughs> because I don't know that Mab views humanity as anything other than chattel either. Like her job is to protect humanity. That doesn't mean she values humanity. She values her job. See, this is interesting because I feel you've said this before. But I don't. I, I, I think it's qu it's quite fundamental to the Fae that you can't analyze their morality on any human axis. No, but again, but and, and this is the the argument that I've been trying to make for ages: is that you're you're so human focused. Like, why why is Mab's job to protect humanity? It's just to protect the world in general. Okay, Mab's job humanity is to protect just reality. To be a part of that, you know, Mab's job protecting is to protect all the rea as well. reality. All right. Um. Yeah, she, yeah she's, a, she's a widow, but ultimately she's an arbiter of justice, if nothing else. And we have to, we have to say that people in that position, you know, they've got I to have something that, going for them. I don't know that she's an arbiter of justice of anything other than winter law. She doesn't. She doesn't appear to arbitrate moral justice. Yeah, but I mean, everyone's subscribed to winter law, though. Yeah, that's because Mab's the one. Mab's the one with the biggest stick. 
Well, not necessarily. I mean, if Summer said, no, fuck this jazz, I'm sure people would have said, well, yeah, we kind of but agree. They, they seem a lot nicer than these winter folks. Mab is also a creature of pure rationality, which if you're in, uh, applying laws that have no scope for spirit and are purely down to the letter, you want an arbiter of pure rationality. Yeah, but this is also the point that I was kind of trying to make, is that that's exactly the reason why her seal of approval means something. Right? It, to her, no, to her no, it is no, a sort no, of zero-sum no. game. Like it's it's no. pure calculating logic. She knows she's put in a lot of time and effort to get Harry on Yes. Uh, not on her side, because I'm not sure that's necessarily the right thing to say. In her to, camp. In her camp. <laughs> and so for whatever reason that she ultimately decides that Harry should marry Lara, she must have calculated the risks of that. And has decided that ultimately it's okay. That's got to tell you something about the fact that Lara is clearly not some sort of demented monster. Either that or it tells me that Mab is fully aware that Lara Wraith isn't going to do anything to piss off Mab. Which, let's be fair... Well... I I don't think... It's it's funny, actually. I've been rereading sort of the stuff post-Arctis tour. The attack on Arctis tour. Yeah. Mab is angry for a really long time. She's really <laughs> angry for a long time. It's very funny. It's bad, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, I don't. Sorry. I don't. Th- I don't think you can point to Queen as Harry regularly refers to Queen of the Wicked Fairies, Queen of Air and Dark. Yes, but you cannot use Harry as an example for anything because he doesn't know what he's saying half the bloody time. He's an idiot. No, true. Um, even so, I don't think you can use the Queen of Air and Darkness. Um, Someone who herself states that she is a being of pure reason. Yes, as, my heart. <laughs> as evidence, brain, as evidence that Lara Wraith is a good person. Well, I feel like I did. Yes, but you were wrong to do so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's that's exactly the sort of talk an emotional kind like yourself would come up with. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm not having it. I'm not having it. We've spoken bullshit. I feel, you, I feel you had a few more uh, concerns. I've got lots of just scribbles. I, I wrote I wrote down that you said she's a good person by any meaningful standard of morality, and then I threw up on my page. Um, good. The truth hurts sometimes. She's she's not a good person by any meaningful standard of morality. She's a good person by your very specific standard of morality, which you've you've essentially chosen and then defined so as to make her a good person. She she freely gives her help to virtually anyone who needs it. She does not. Molly and Harry. Thomas. Thomas is her brother. She even helps Michael at some point, I think, doesn't she? She even keeps Ebenezer's secrets to herself. Okay, that is absolutely f- from a position of practicality rather than anything else. Oh, Sorry, this this oh, this shit. was this this was the one that I, I haven't done yet. So it's a distinction between territoriality and self-interest and love. You said repeatedly that Lara Wraith is capable of love, and that may be true. I'm not going to assert that that is not true because we see something approaching familial care for her family. Right, it's, it's the quote about she changed Thomas's nappies and all of that. Something approaching familial care. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you got high standards? Yeah, apparently so. I'm learning that about myself this evening. Um, 
But I don't think you can point to things like she doesn't tell the world that Ebenezer is Harry's grandfather as evidence that she is altruistic. It's evidence that she has self-interest. She starts telling the world that Ebenezer is Harry's grandfather. Ebenezer will remove her from the face of the earth. Look at what he did to Casa Verde. Sure, he can try. Um, but that's a separate <laughs> Look argument. at what he did for to Casa Verde. <laughs> no, and, and of course, there is an argument to make that that perhaps was some sort of... Uh, political ploy but she she's shown herself to be a very shrewd operator and it's it's entirely because Ebenezer didn't know right that the that Thomas was his grandson no. uh, and so she she could have very easily made the right people aware of this information and and gone from there but where is her uh, benefit but, but it's for me it was more the, the sort of the passage that, that she has that that bit where she talks to Dresden about all this, there's just something in her tone of voice, well, in reading, <laughs> that that suggests that there's a little more to it than than J- James Marsters does her justice, does he? He does indeed. <laughs> uh, yeah, and obviously, I mean, you, you could you could we could argue this ad absurdum that you know obviously she's doing that because she knows Harry, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I I choose to believe the the mortal man with free will that I am, <laughs> that there's a bit more to it than just the cool calculation logic. She, she's not a map. She's, uh, no, I don't think she's a map. I think that, as I said, I think there is something approaching familial care for Thomas and Inari. We see that, right? And she, she clearly wants Inari to be safe. But we also never see Lara interact with Inari outside, once Lara is out with the control of Papa Wraith, I don't believe. Um, no, we, we don't see Inari at all after that, do we? I don't think so. Uh, um, she might be in one of the short stories. Maybe. I was actually thinking about this the other day, because like, even Thomas just never mentions her. It's like she's just died. <laughs> it's really yeah, strange. It's very bizarre. Uh, but a lot of the things that you point to, I think, are political power grabs that also make her look good, rather than being altruistic acts. See, that's because you choose to see the worst in people, whereas I'm a, I'm a positive soul. No one has ever accused you of being a positive soul, ever. <laughs> don't, don't try and take this now. Yeah, I'm sure it has happened at some point. I don't, I don't know what else I have, really. Uh, the Oblivion War, I will grant you, is problematic. But one, I don't think we can point to the judgment of a 14-year-old girl as evidence that someone is a good person. Especially not... <laughs> Especially not a quite so psychologically screwed up 14-year-old girl as Ivy. No, but we've met Ivy, and she does seem to just be... Well, obviously, she's the archive, which must be complicated beyond belief. Yes. But she seems to be, you know, a very sweet-hearted girl, where you might expect anyone at that age to be. Um, no, I mean, I'm not going to say that because she's a 14-year-old girl, therefore, de facto, anyone she judges worthy is worthy. No, no but... All, but- but I think she she's innocent think, enough to sort of perhaps have an opinion on on if people are genuinely terrible. No, I also think in in prosecuting the the Oblivion War, the the archive does appear to take a very practical stance, and by any reasonable metric, Lara is practically a useful asset in the Oblivion War. Right, but it's the, really funny that you're arguing on the on the on the uh, sort of full practicality here. Now no, I'm, I'm making the, I'm making the case that practicality does not equal good. I mean, well, it 100 percent is <laughs> obviously. No, 
Um, well, I mean, okay, but but it does not necessarily have to preclude. No, I, I but I don't. I don't think. I think her participation in the Oblivion War is neutral, right? Because the Oblivion War, if they lose it, everything stops. That's why it's called the Oblivion War. It's another version of the battle at the Outer Gates. But, but this, but this, that line of reasoning, and it is absolutely correct, makes everything really complicated, right? Because then we have to start arguing for for you know whether or not Nicodemus is ultimately on the good or the bad side. Um, obviously a terrible, terrible person, but still but, fighting on the side of reality because everyone else is because that's sure. kind of a thing. <laughs> but, 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 but I think that that's my point. Nicodemus isn't turned into a good person because he's fighting to preserve no, reality. No, exactly. But, his but methods Nicodemus matter. Is, and his, his, his reasons methods matter. matter. But, yes, uh, but his reasons and his methods are demonstrably heinous. Whereas Lara's less so, and that's Lara, the entire thing that I'm, I'm trying to say here. Yeah, no, no, no. I, and I, I'm not putting Lara on the same... Footing is Nicodemus. Nicodemus is demonstrably you can sit e- pedestal for a second. A- atrociously evil. Um, but atrociously evil, I like that. But I'm. You basically said you asserted she's fighting in the Oblivion War, and that's run by the Archive. And Ivy's a fourteen-year-old girl, um, and therefore Lara's good. And I'm just pointing out that there is no causal link between those things. No, but do you not feel safer in your bed knowing the Lara Wraith is out there in the fictional universe of the Dresden Files? <laughs> no, because I don't know about the Oblivion War. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe precisely for this reason. Uh, <laughs> no. I mean, I think if, I, if there is an Oblivion War, I hope it uh, that we either win or that it's over very quickly. <laughs> yeah, we either win or we lose really fast. Exactly, yeah. I think I'd just like to to leave leave us with with a quote from oh, from no. Lara herself, because uh, really, push comes to shove, we see the most in people when we hear them in their own words. I'm glad to see you survived, wizard. You who destroyed my father and secured my own power. You who have now destroyed my enemies. You are the most marvelous weapon I have ever wielded. And I love peace, wizard. I love talking, laughing, relaxing. I will kill your folk with peace, wizard. I will strangle them with it. And they will thank me while I do. Yeah, she sounds lovely. Yeah, she loves peace. Are you objecting to someone who loves peace? I will kill your folk with peace. Yeah, what does folk mean once you've translated it from ancient Etruscan? She's not speaking in ancient Etruscan, though. Uh, we don't know that, man. The, the, the whole point with this quote is, right, again, this is Harry being an unreliable narrator. He has just come out of a cave that blew up with him in it, kissing a vampire, having just suffered serious brain damage, <laughs> no, no, having no, had no, a you're... fallen angel ripped from his head. Absolutely fucking and not. He you're winds, not and he winds up this poor white court vampire who helped him, made sure he survived, winds her up. And so what does she do? She lashes out a bit. I mean, wouldn't you? I would. I'm not having this. You're not You're not taking away this quote. The, 100% that quote, am. That quote is Lara Wraith to, to her core. No, it's Lara Wraith to the, to the core of Harry's belief of what she is. There's, there's, sometimes there's just no arguing with you. Your, <laughs> your grasp of reality is unmatched in its weakness.
hey, look, there's only one of us who makes uh, a living from studying reality, so... <laughs> That's just even more concerning. <laughs> you don't know, man. You're not, you're not there. You've not seen the things I've seen. You've not seen the things I've seen, exactly. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I, I don't think I've got anything else. I think if you, if you hear that quote and don't think that Lara Wraith is a terrifying example of someone who views humanity as cattle to be controlled and has just worked out that the easiest way to control people is to give them what they want, then I just, I, I don't think there's anywhere yeah, we can no, meaning, you, meaningfully go from here. If, if she says this to me, just randomly on the street when I'm walking by her, yes, 100%. <laughs> she doesn't say that, does she? She does it because Harry is an absolute prick at the best of times, and he just needles people. Because Harry holds people to the same high standards he holds himself. Oh, yeah, Harry, I've just committed genocide in Chichen Itza, Dresden, sure. Yeah, all right. admittedly, <laughs> admittedly, there's something about Chichen Itza that's a little bit problematic. <laughs> Save one girl, wipe out an entire race of things. Um. <laughs> and then justify it to myself constantly by saying they were all murderers. They were all this. bad, they were all murderers. I mean, they probably on balance were, at least the ones that we've met. The Red Court's something else. Never met a good red court vampire. It's probably an argument to made that the black court's better in many ways. I'm not sure there's much legs to that. We don't know enough about that. Although Renfields are pretty dreadful. Yeah, Renfields aren't good. Renfields yeah, maybe, very maybe, not maybe good. Maybe that's not right. The black court probably <laughs> the worst of the lot. Renfields very much not good. No. Uh, well, although there's none of their mind left, so maybe that's a kindness in some ways. I, I, one imagines that what you do <laughs> to strip the mind from a Renfield isn't particularly Yeah, it's not going to be fun, is it? It's not going to be fun. This is the thing with the White Court, at least. Well, certainly with the, the Wraith family, it's, it's a fun way to go. I wouldn't want to meet a, a, a Skavis. They're the ones who do things by despair, don't they? I'm just so wildly optimistic. I don't, think I'm a, I don't think I'm susceptible to a Skavis. <laughs> can't break, sunshine, yeah, can't sure. break through this sunny exterior. You are Uriel himself. <laughs> Gosh, um, I've 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 received a promotion from Michael. Yeah, absolute lunacy saying something like that. Crazy. I mean, Michael is better than Uriel <laughs> in, in all Ooh. the ways. No, he is. Um, that's that's just objectively true. Well, the, the fun thing about this, as opposed to a hot take on something like Lord of the Rings, although actually saying that Lord of the Rings, well, not less so now that Christopher's uh, unfortunately passed away, but maybe something this coming out there as well. This this can develop, exactly. This can develop. There's more to come. I suspect we, that we will see how right we'll see. I was at some point. I suspect we'll see a lot more of Lara in 12 months. Um, she the book 12 herself months. For no gain. Yes, fine. If Lara Wraith self-sacrifices for no gain, um, for no other reason than to protect someone that she loves. You know what? I'll wear that tinfoil when it I, happens. I shall hold you to that. I mean, it's not going to be for many years, I think, because there's, there's, what, six books left at least? No. Something like that. I think. Something like that. I think it's a 25-book series now, and it's Battlegrounds was 18. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure he's also said that the... Like it would continue after the um, the big apocalyptic trilogy, which well, that's a spoiler. Yeah, but then this is <laughs> where the gym, you know, you only believe it when it serves you purpose. 
I think it's absolutely true. <laughs> um, I think the big thing was that he said he wants to write a Maggie and Mouse series, like a young adult yeah, series, fun, Maggie yeah. and Mouse, which would be really yeah. fun. And of anyway. course, you can you can do a classic MCU and just set it in <laughs> a, a fake place where everyone's actually dead. Just multiverse it, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, indeed. Thanks for listening to this episode of Expertise is Overrated. No doubt, we've said some things that were either objectively wrong or downright offensive. Feel free to let us know. Rate the podcast and leave us a comment, or drop us an email at expertiseisoverrated at gmail.com. Tweet us at Zero Expertise. Check out our website, expertiseisoverrated.podbean.com, or join our Discord, the link for which is in the description. Yes, please do. Uh, it's It'll be fun, we promise. If you're lucky, we might just argue with you in one of our upcoming episodes. If you're really lucky, we might call you an idiot. In our next episode, we're going to be discussing the Chaos Gods in the Warhammer and 40k universes, and what their deal is. Join us then for more nonsense.